0: sometimes you don't feel very loved even though you know god does because love is more than a feeling it is an act of the will and still other times you don't feel very loving the ups and downs of emotions an ocean of feelings again what is a christian to do Through a mind where Christ thinks, his spirit does speak, the Greek word for love you need indeed. Agape love is power-filled, Christ-spilled, the most sacrificial type of love. He gave his life, it is finished, he said and shed blood for you and for me. Sadly, the world confuses love with lust. Set aside your own desires, fires of lust. Just confess and repent. Present yourself and God will forgive. God so loved, he didn't take, no, he gave and will continue to do so eternally. For humanity, giving love abundantly and unconditionally. The question is, are you ready to receive it.
1: Let me, uh, let me pray one more time. God, as we just sang about arms wide open, Lord, I pray that we come into this moment with hearts wide open, Father, allowing you, wanting you, desiring you, an openness for you to speak, an openness, Holy Spirit, for you to convict and lovingly guide us forward. Father, as we sang about a a table set for two, Father, I thank you for the reminder of the intimate relationship that we have with you, the personal relationship that we have with you. Father, I thank you for the reminder that your love is wild for us from our earthly perspective, knowing all of our flaws, our sins, our downfalls, Father, the fact that you would love is wild. And so, Father, we thank you for that reminder. And we ask now, as we look at your word, that you would continue to remind and move forward. In your name, amen. My, uh, my kids are at home uh, this morning, so I'm just going to treat your kids like they're my kids this morning. Now, as a parent, you might be like, okay, great, cool, like a little bit of a break. That is, that's groovy. But it would get to a place where it's a little bit creepy, wouldn't it? Like if I truly treated your kids like mine and I set for them boundaries, I punished them, I gave your kid a kiss on the cheek. Now, that might not end me in jail, but it certainly might end with a punch in the face. You might not like me truly treating your kids like my kids because I don't have the same relationship with your kids as I do mine. My kids have an impact on me because the deeper the relationship, the deeper the impact. I don't, I don't, your kids don't impact me like my own kids. Now, if we were to flip that around a little bit, what if my kids were here and I neglected them and maybe invested more into your kids? If I were to act as if my kids weren't my kids, that would say something about me, wouldn't it? We entered into marriage. I, I entered into marriage with Ava and Ava Changed me, but probably better said, the relationship changed me. There was different levels of accountability. The, the marriage relationship has an impact on me. I can't live like I did pre-marriage, because the relationship has an impact on me. I think a relationship that you and I have with Christ is an untamed relationship formed on his love. It's a marriage. It's an adoption. It's a father-son relationship. It's a deep, deep relationship that ought to change us. As my kids have changed me, as my marriage has changed me, I pray that the untamed love of the Father has changed me. Like the earlier examples, if I am unchanged by a relationship, if I'm unchanged in my marriage, what does that say about me? If I'm unchanged by my kids, what does that say to me, Uh, say to you all as the kind of parent that I am? The untamed love of the Father has to have its untamed way on me. It has to be more than one hour a week. It has to be more than just a boost every once in a while. So as we look at the love of the Father, as you look at the love that that is supposed to be expressed through us, here's where we're going to go this morning. We're going to go to 1 John, written by John, who is like the Casanova of Scripture. If you want to drink deep of the love of God, read anything John wrote. And we're going to do that this morning. We're going to pick it up at the end of chapter 2. It will be on the screens. You can go to the app. You can pick it up in your own Bible. It says this, And now, little children, addressing Christians knowing that we all as Christians have room to mature and to grow so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. He's talking to baby Christians, Christians that have room to grow, so all of us, and giving us all the reminder that we need to abide now using that word. We don't know that word. We, we don't use that word all the time. It's a little bit foreign to us, although we kind of understand it maybe just a little bit. So I texted, I emailed my good buddy, Laura Milan, this week. She talks about abiding in Christ all the time. I, I said to her, like, just tell me, well, how would you describe abiding in Christ? How she described it was a deep, intimate relationship with somebody, a relationship that, that would be indicative of home. Indicative of safety, indicative of sheltering. We get the word abode from it. It's the same root word, a humble abode, your house. So, so this, is, this is the type of relationship that has taken residence in our lives. I've made a home with Christ. So what's taken residence in your life? If I'm honest, my wife has, my kids have, but if I'm truly honest, so has fantasy football, <laughs> So has games on my phone. Those can take residence in my life as well. What John is getting at here is we have a new home. We've gone from a foster child and and homeless of sorts to now being adopted and being under a new roof where we don't shrink from daddy coming home and being in the presence of daddy. We're able to embrace our new identity and life change as we've taken up a new home under the roof of Christ Almighty. So our big thought for this experience, you're watching online, you're in the room, what I want you to walk away with today is simply this. True love leads to true life change. If the true love of Christ has had its untamed way in me, it better lead to a, a level of untamed change. Are we willing to change based on the love of the Father That in an, uh, with, with what Nicole read? Another way of saying that is that he's lavished upon us. So it's gonna change us. It should change us in three ways is what John's going to pick up in chapter three now. The first change is it changes our identity. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. Another way you can say that is lavished upon us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. John, to use a, a language that we used in a previous series, he's a lifer. He's, he's now been doing this Christian thing for a long time. He's older in age. He's looking back. He's reflecting upon the love of the Father. He's saying, oh, see, look at it. He's amazed by the love of the Father. The Christians in the room, may you never stop being amazed by the love of the Father. John it's overwhelmed by it. He sees it as an expression of of love. This This is the agape type of love. If you know the Greek for love, this is the divine type of love. This is deep. This is the type of love that would say, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to give. I'm going to give of myself even if the person that I'm expressing love upon is not worthy of such an expression. Even if they will not love me back. God so loved the world, he gave knowing that he would be rejected and spit upon. Why? That we should be called children of God. (laughs) Not that it's guaranteed. Not the whole world will not bow their knee knee to Jesus. We will not, not, A whole world will not do that in this lifetime, but that they should. They should, they should know that love. My son Brady is athletic. He should get an athletic scholarship. My son Landon is very, very smart. He should get a scholastic scholarship. My son, Reagan, is super sweet. She should get daddy to pay for her whole college experience. (laughs) I should pay off my debt, but the jury is still out. Will it happen? If you have said yes to Jesus, you're not part of that might. You're part of the I said yes group. You're part of those that have been adopted into the family of God. You are a child of God. The son of God, that title is for Jesus Christ. But for you and for I, I'm a son of God. I am a daughter of the king. We, can, we are in the family of God. We are different than this world. And to the world, they don't understand it. To the world, they see the father and they, they don't understand this relationship. It's an enigma to them. They don't know God the way, we know, don't, the way we know God. And so the relationship that we have with God is strange to them. My good buddy, I've talked about him before in plenty of sermons. I have a great buddy, Wheels Langworthy. We go back way, way far. We've been in youth ministry. We've been in church life together. He is one of my best friends on planet Earth. Let me tell you about his family. Here's a picture of the the four ladies that are, are so dear to him in his family. Let me brag on Wheels through his family. Sue Langworthy was a youth leader with me. She helped my wife get a job. Uh, in, in the real estate of praising, it's helping us out so greatly to, to be generous and to pay off debt and things of that nature, to have flexibility with our kids. She encouraged my wife to do that. She's the most empathetic person I know. Back in the day, we were, we were on a trip to uh, South Dakota for a missions trip to an Indian reservation. Amtrak lost one of our students' pieces of luggage. So Sue Langworthy, Mama Claus, came out. She's like, I'm going to call I'm going to call Amtrak, and they're going to pay for all of this right now. So I said, okay, we're going to Walmart to replace all of her clothes. She's like, Walmart? We're going to Victoria's Secret, <laughs> and Amtrak is going to pay for it. And she wasn't kidding. <laughs> she took her to Victoria's Secret. She got all the high-end stuff that she wanted to get, and Amtrak paid for everything because that's Sue Langworthy, and that's what she does for the people that she cares about. Let me, let me tell you about, about uh, Krista Langworthy. You want somebody to cry with you? Call Krista. You want somebody to care about you? Call Krista. You want somebody to set up a meal train for you? Call Krista. You want somebody to bake you the most delicious cookies in the world? You call Krista. The only cookies that can beat me in a bake-off? Krista Raj. You call her. She is a generous, caring person. You want to know about Julianne Langworthy? She's an incredible teacher in Philadelphia. She's the type of teacher that will give of her own income, her own funds to love on the students, walking and coming before because she goes next level as a teacher. You want an encouraging word? Call Julie Ann. She's an encourager you want a competitive person the doctor of the family shannon langworthy who is a physical therapist brilliant in her own right and she she's great she's competitive we go back we played scattergories one time until this day i will defend that d in scattergories and a boy's name donald duck is a proper response but she voted it down because she's that competitive and i was like i'm the pastor you can't vote it down and she's like i don't care that's wrong i didn't get the point but shannon She'll cry with you. She'll give of herself, and she's brilliant. Now, you might be, you might be uh, the one or two people in the earth that hate Wheels Langworthy. Then you don't give a darn about her, his family. You're not amazed by that at all. In fact, everything I just said, you're like, well, you have comments going on in your mind. Because if you hate Wheels, you hate his family. But if you're the 94% of the people in this room, perhaps, that don't know Wheels, Maybe now you do want to know Wheels because you've heard about his family. Sue to walk in here and be like, well, I'm I'm Wheels' wife. If you don't know Wheels, you're gonna be like, so what? But now if you know of Wheels because you know of the family, you're gonna be like, oh, let me get to know Wheels because I get to know you. So it is with us as Christians. There's gonna be times when we're talking about our relationship with God, they're gonna be like, I don't care, I hate your God. So I hate that relationship. It doesn't make sense to me so we can expect that our identity is linked to the Father. It changes us, it changes our identity. We can expect them to hate us because of their hatred for the Father, but here's our hope and our prayer, that as we live out our identity as Christians, that their, our love for the community is gonna drive them to love the Father. So it changes our identity, and secondly, it changes our process. Beloved, we are, called, we are God's children now and and we are and what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when he appears we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. This sonship, this This. we are children of God, you place faith in Jesus Christ. It happens right away. Right away you are a son. Right away you are a daughter. So no, the end all be all is not you as a dad or you as a mom. The end all be all is not you as a, m- a nurse. The end all be all is not you as a construction worker. The end all be all is not you, a, a porn addict or a drug addict or you insert any sin that you wanna insert. That's not the end all be all of your identity. Right away you are a daughter of the king. And we are becoming like the king. So stop living out of an old, dead identity. This verse brings out a process for us, a destination to come for us, that he will appear and we will be like him. That you and I are transformed into the image of God, well being transformed into the image of God. That we stand perfect before God Almighty while on planet Earth living out a process to become perfect and to become in his likeness. That there will be unity one day between us and the Father. That one day Christ will appear in all of his righteousness and we will be clothed in the robe of his righteousness. It brought me back to this thinking of, this is uh, actually just something I bought off of Amazon, but uh, a, kid's, a kid's robe. And if I were to look at me standing before God wearing my old robe, well, that would look as funny as a kid or an adult trying to wear their old robe, right? Like I can't, like if you guys have seen Tommy Boy, like fat guy in a little suit, you remember that scene? Yeah, like I'll rip this and I'll, I will destroy this. To try to live out of your old identity would be as weird as an adult figure trying to wear their old, their old clothing. So that might that might be where you're at. You're trying to live out your old identity, and it's like wearing some old clothes. Or you just haven't, you know, you haven't gotten rid of some old habits. But now maybe you've gotten maybe new habits, or maybe you've just embraced uh, embraced uh, uh, the life that you are. Like, hey, I'm a Christian, good insurance, but I'm going to do me now. For me, this is doing me. I grew up in New Hampshire. I love the Red Sox. This is actually my robe. I love it, and it's super comfortable. But for you, you hate the Red Sox because you're in New Jersey. Uh, And so for you, you would use the phrase dirty rags, that these are dirty rags, which is also used in the Bible of our sin that you would look at this and be like, this is super dirty and disgusting. You would never be caught dead wearing it. In a moment, I'm going to invite Callie up here, and Jay told me right away, if my daughter puts this on, I'ma cut you, because this is dirty rags to him. Many of us are trying to grow in our relationship with God and make this work. Make these dirty rags work and look good before God. You, as a Yankee fan, could never make this look good to any of your Yankee friends. So, what's the image that you and I should have as children of the king? Callie, come up here for a second. I want you to see Callie as, as a kid. And well, she's not really a kid anymore, but she's younger, trying to wear an adult robe. It's huge on her. Right now, she would, if, if I gave this to her, this would be something that is nice to have, but as she grows, she's continually filling it out. She's continually, continually growing to where this will one day fit her. This is the image. This is the process that you and I as Christians are in. We have been robed in the righteousness of God. And one day we will stand before him and this will fit like a glove. And so we grow every single day to fill this out. That's the process. Thank you Callie for allowing me to put that over your shoulders. So you're a child of the God of God. The process has begun, but are you a child that's in rebellion trying to wear the old robe? Are are you becoming what you've meant to be? Is there tension? There should be tension as we're trying to wear kid clothes or dirty rags when we're really supposed to be wearing the robe and filling out the robe. It should have its changed way in us. The process that is going on in your life, have have you changed your clothes? Are you trying to fill it out? Have your habits changed? Are you growing into daddy's robe? Are you simply trying to outgrow outgrow old robes that are supposed to be in the garbage? So it changes our identity, it changes the process, but then lastly, it changes our focus. He says this to conclude it. He says, and everyone who thus puts hope in him purifies himself as he is pure. Our hope is fixed on Jesus Christ. Our hope is fixed on him, so we desire, when our hope is fixed, our focus is on Jesus Christ, we are focused on becoming more like him. So as we focus in on Jesus, we realize how pure and perfect he is. As we realize how pure and perfect Jesus is, guess what it naturally shows us? It's like looking into a mirror. It shows our imperfections. And so there's a daily focus to put our mind on Christ Jesus and to become pure as he is pure, has he made residence in your life? If he has, then the righteousness of God should be manifesting, should be flowing out of us on a daily basis and on an increasing basis, to be conformed into his image. Now if you're like me, and I think you are because you're breathing, you've not yet arrived. You're not perfectly in the image of God. You've screwed up like I've screwed up today. But there is hope that one day we will see him face to face and it will be done. We will be pure. We will be what we have been meant to be and what we've been trying to be. We're becoming pure. This week, I, I did what I challenged you guys to do with soap and, and dig the well. We sent out those, uh, that email. If you're online, hopefully we can drop that in the link. If you're in the room, uh, see an eye host. We want to get you that link to, to grow in our walk with Jesus beyond uh, a one-hour experience. So I was doing that this week, and Monday morning, I've been, going through, I've been going through passages in Ephesians and Colossians on being a good dad and being a good husband, because uh, I was like, I need to grow in that area. And, uh, and so I was reading uh, in Ephesians, and what was Monday morning just like, like God and the Holy Spirit just like rocked me was that God died for the church, and his sacrificial love for the church was to present the church as without blemish to God Almighty, and that, that God's sacrificial love made his bride, the church, holy. And so as I got to the application section, I was like, where could I sacrificially love Ava to drive her to greater holiness before God. And and it it really struck me, and and right away I was like, if I helped out more around the house, my wife could actually take a Sabbath before the Lord, which is a commandment, and rest before Jesus, to trust Jesus and rest. And so right away I was like, yeah, I should just be doing that as a husband anyways, so God slapped me with my failures as a husband. But right away, I was like, here I am. I'm going to sacrifice for it, help out around the house, get the kids to help out more around the house. And over the weekend, and I think this week, I hopefully, God willing, we've accomplished it, we where Sunday, we don't have a lot to do around the house because it's all already been done. As we've all pitched in to do it, this is an example of daily surrender. You and I saying, God, I am not like you. I want to be like you. So what needs to change in my life? Where do you need to have your untamed way in my life? It will show you areas that you need to sacrifice as he has sacrificed. And for me this week, it was loving my wife so I could bring her to a greater place of holiness and resting before God. Christ loves you. If you've said yes, you are in a relationship with him. Where is your focus on the day today? Are you focused on an old fling or the real thing that is before you? Has the relationship changed your day to day? Have you maybe lost focus? Where does the untamed love of the Father need to have its untamed way in your life? Where, when was the last time you were wrecked by the love of God, but to a point where it was more than emotional, more than just coming in here, singing a song and being wrecked in maybe emotional worship, but where have you allowed the emotions of being wrecked to lead to a sacrifice of love throughout your week as you love the least of these? to be changed by God in that manner. We said that true love leads to true life change. We've identified it's gonna change us in three areas. It's gonna change our identity, it changes our process, and it changes our focus. For me, I don't dream of what it's like to have a great father-son relationship. I have that with my father. I love him, he's a pain in the butt, uh, he's pretty, he'll tell you how cool he is. He was on TikTok before any of us uh, and that's super weird on so many levels. Uh, but I have a great relationship with my dad. I can remember my first Fenway Park baseball game with him. I, can, I have all a slew of memories with my dad and I love him deeply. I don't dream of what it would be like to have a great father-son relationship, because I have it. But there are 500 to 600 kids in Ocean County that don't have that. Five to 600 kids, if you talk to CASA, that are in the foster care system. That puts us third, the third county in New Jersey. You know what what the first county is? Camden, which sadly you would expect. You know what the second county is? Essex, which you would expect, sadly, with, with Newark. We're third, with no metropolitan area. Five to 600 kids. You wanna know the stat that CASA gave me that blew my mind? 100%. 100%. Not 99.9, not 92. Point whatever, 100% of the kids in the foster care system are somewhat linked to substance abuse. There's substance abuse somewhere in their family that has led to them being in the foster care system. Five to 600 kids dreaming of what it would be like to be so-and-so's dad. I don't dream like that because I have that but in Ocean County, there are five to 600 kids wanting to live the dream, waiting and wanting to be invested into, hoping to someday be comfortable to invest back into said relationship. As I thought about that this week, because every great relationship comes with a great investment, doesn't it? Two people investing. As I reflected upon that, as we think about God Almighty, the untamed love of the Father, Couldn't you agree with me that God is fully invested? He gave us his son. He left us the Holy Spirit that lives with inside of me. So you could argue that Christ, God Almighty, the Trinity of God, is fully invested into you. So in the relationship, the question becomes, are we fully invested in him? And so that is my challenge for us this week, is that we would invest 20 that we would look at the relationship with God, his wild love for us, how he's greatly invested into us. And this week, here's my challenge that I'm putting before you. Invest 20 minutes into prayer. We talked about soap. We talked about digging the well. Here's going next level. Can you give God 20 minutes to start your day? If you wake up at 6.30, set the alarm for 6. Give yourself 10 minutes to snooze, and then go to prayer. Whatever you need to do, can you give God an extra 20 minutes this week to invest into it? And here's my challenge, to go through it in prayer, and here's a little help, to maybe use the, the ACTS acronym. We talked about that before, about a structure to prayer. We can drop it in the link. We can, I can explain it to you guys right here. It's adoration, telling God what you adore about him. It's confessing, God, this is where I'm not pure, and I need to become more pure like you are pure. So confessing where you're not like Jesus, giving thanksgiving for, for God about maybe about the church or maybe about an act of love or maybe the promotion or maybe something at home or maybe that your kids are going back to school or maybe xyz whatever you need to do to thank God you think about that and you pray a prayer of thanks adoration confessing confession thanksgiving but then the s is a fancy word supplication and we and we pray for needs God supply this God do this God I'm I'm asking for the salvation pray for one of somebody else God I have these needs adoration, confession, thanksgiving and supplication. My challenge to you is that you would pray and that you would be invested into God as He is so invested into us. So with that, let me pray, and I'm going to invite uh, the leaders of the kid ministry to come up here as, as I'm praying. God, I, uh, I thank you for this time. I thank you for a time to look at your word. I thank you for your wild love for us. Lord, I pray. Father, God Almighty, have your way in us. Father, God Almighty, would we be changed by the love that you have so lavished, bestowed, shown to us, so evident in your Son. We love you, Jesus, in your name, amen.